As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Like me, Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the USC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. It is Tuesday, October 29th, and you're listening to another edition of the Orange Weekly post-game podcast. What is going on, Broncos country? Your hosts, Tanner Lee and Jeff Ryan, are back. After a one-week hiatus, we did not do a post-game podcast for that debacle, I guess you can call it, against Kansas City in that Thursday night home game, but uh, Jared and Matt and the guys kind of... uh, did a huge podcast, which was a pre-game slash post-game before the Indianapolis game. But Jeff and I are here to recap the Broncos' 15-13 to loss to the Indianapolis Colts, as well as uh, trade deadline news, injury news, quarterback situation, and much, much more. Jeff, what is going on, my friend? Oh, not much, Tanner. I'm uh I'm not in a good place right now. I'm uh I'm pissed. <laughs> I'm confused. I'm sad. All the above. I think I'm just... I think you're speaking for all of Broncos country right there. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I I just have I have so many questions. I just I don't know, man. We we've said multiple times, unfortunately, over the last couple of years on this podcast, how you know. The organization is is at a low point, and it continues to be that way, and it's not getting any prettier anytime soon. In fact, potentially getting much uglier, and it's just really really hard to deal with. You know, I'm I'm a, we'll get into all this, but to kind of summarize those feelings, I'm I'm pissed that we're now 0 and 3 in games that you know under two minutes to go, odds were looking good that we should have won three of those games. Um, I know we're a crappy team, but those are three wins that if you win, I'd much rather be a crappy five and three team than a really shitty two and six team. Uh, I am confused because I don't know why Drew Locke is waiting to practice uh, until after the bye week. Um, We'll get into that. I don't know. I don't know what the meaning behind that is. And I'm just sad that the Broncos are, now two and six, they're not even at their lowest of low point yet, and yet it still feels like they're well on their way to that point this season. So. Yeah, yeah, we're, it's hard to believe we're only halfway through the season, and I think a lot of us are wishing the season was over already um, because I'm afraid it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. But we'll get on into all that. First, uh, let's uh, unfortunately recap uh, Sunday's Lost to the Indianapolis Colts by a score of fifteen to thirteen. Uh, you and I were both there live, since we both live in the state of Indiana. It was an easy trip for both of us to make. Um, overall assessment of the game. I mean, not just the game. I mean, we'll get into that. But atmosphere before the game, during the game. Lucas Oil for anybody out in Broncos country who has never made the trip to Lucas Oil Stadium. Well, it was, um, you know, it was a fun atmosphere for the most part. I, you know, I was stressed out the whole game just because I felt like there were so many moments where this, where we should have won this game. Um, and I think the Colts, they don't probably want to admit this, but I think they played their worst game by far this season. And yet it came in a win. Um, it also goes to show how bad we are. Um, 
Lucas Oil, if anybody does have a chance to come out here, it is a great venue to see in the NFL. It's a really nice stadium. Um, I, uh, you know, they, I think like a lot of teams in sports, their, their fans are pretty, uh, I would say fair weather. I think they get really up when they're up and they get really down when they're down. Um, you know, it was, they were a, they're now a five and two team and they had multiple empty seats all over the stadium. Um, Broncos country showed up well, plenty of orange in the stands. Um, post game was rough just because you've, I don't know, the, I don't know if you felt the same way, but the comments around Indy are that, you know, they escaped with one. They never expected to lose this one. They're still a very good team. And quite frankly, I, I don't know about all that. I don't, I don't know how good they are. They've lost to the, the Raiders at home. Um, easily could have lost this game to Denver at home. Um, and then I'm blanking on their other loss. My apologies, but I don't know if, uh, the positive, the positive spin on all this is just that, uh, Broncos country, if you ever do have a chance to come out here, it, it is a great venue in the NFL and their, their fans are better than most. However, I, I still felt like it was pretty quiet. What do you think? Yeah, I thought it was pretty quiet except on third downs. Mostly. Uh, yep. I thought it got loud on third downs, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, I've been to a lot of games at Lucas Oil, even when the Broncos haven't played. I think I'm one in three or maybe one of four now when the Broncos have played. It's kind of been a house of horrors uh, yeah. for them, but still not as bad as the RCA Dome was. But, um, yeah, it was just a frustrating game. There were so many blown opportunities, especially in the red zone. Uh, the Broncos should have been up at least by 10, if not 14 and a half, when they were up three points. Um, I thought the defense played pretty good most of the game, um, like they really have most all season. The offense just – they just couldn't score. They can't do anything. Um, you know, I was in a conversation with a buddy yesterday, and we were debating if the Broncos' offense is the worst in the NFL. And, you know, it's one thing to watch it and see it on TV. And it's another thing to be there live. Um, you know, we'll get into plenty of Joe Flacco talk, and I know he's definitely not – the best quarterback or even really playing like an average quarterback this year. But there was a lot of times it was really eye-opening to me that he would do a play-action fake and a rollout, and there would just be nothing open, absolutely nothing. <laughs> and, it, and then, you, you know, you're just looking at the targets out there on the field, and, yeah, you got Cortland Sutton, who's a good player or going to be a really good player, but he's probably still not ready to be a number one receiver just yet, and he has to be due to the Broncos trading uh, Manuel Sanders to the San Francisco 49ers. So he's your one option. You got Fred Brown, who I forgot was even on the team until a few <laughs> weeks ago out there. You got Deshaun Hamilton, second-year second player who's unproven. Noah Fant, rookie tight end. Jeff Hireman. Um, you know, it just – the options, uh, Spencer, the kicker turner, the options just aren't there, Jeff. They're just not very good, talented options out there, and it's just really depressing. It is, and I also think just the scheme is is not allowing the talent that is out there to even be seen because I do think Noah Fant is a talented player, but um, in my opinion, I don't see him in enough good passing routes to even – have a chance to sh to highlight that talent. Fangio keeps saying he's growing, he's maturing. We're gonna let him go. We're gonna you know let him flourish. And they they're just lying to us. Um, Corlin Sutton is a phenomenal player, had a great game, but then they get around the red zone and just don't know what to do. And so he only ends up uh, with a modest stat line. But in my opinion, he's played great and actually pretty consistent all season. Um, Deshaun Hamilton, you know, he seems like another wasted draft pick of LA's. Um, the other talent outside of that, like you said, is, is guys that are kind of unheard of around the league and even un unheard of to us. Um, it's not good. Um, it is really depressing. I, I think Tim Patrick would have been like a, you know, a decent addition, but he's hurt. Um, still isn't back off the IR. So who knows what's going on with that? Ah. Philip Lindsay does feel like our only playmaker on offense in terms of a guy that actually, you know, wants to make a play every single time he is on the field, no matter what his role is. Um, but yeah, we just, we're just boring. We got no, no creativity. The talent that we do have isn't being utilized. The quarterback that we have can't find a way to make that talent 
visible either. So I don't know. There's so many problems. It's just not even funny. No, and, and Philip Lindsay, you brought up a good point that he is kind of the big home run hitter, the big playmaker of the offense, but I feel like he's taking a step back this year himself. I mean, I suppose stat-wise, yes, but he's, I don't know, they're, he's only touching the ball. What did he touch the ball, 11 times this last game? Uh, 14 so, times on the ground and then uh, five, so he touched it 19 times. Okay, well, so he had, what, 40 yards right on the ground? and 59 on the ground, 17 receiving. Yeah. So. so, I mean, it's not horrible, but it's also like if you want to make a big impact, I, you know, most good running backs are getting the ball 25 to 30 times a game. True. And um, the split between him and Royce and then the the inability of our offense to stay on the field and, and be creative, mm-hmm. I do think is mm-hmm. limiting him big time. I, I don't think it's necessarily a Philip Lindsay problem. I think it's a Scangarello and scheme problem, personally. But. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, I don't know. I mean, just looking at the stats, Joe Flacco was 20 for 32 for 174. No touchdowns, no interceptions. Lindsey, like I said, a 14 carries for 59 yards on the ground. Freeman had 12 carries for 40 yards. Flacco had one carry, it says, for nine yards. I don't remember that. And Spencer had one carry for five yards. And then receiving-wise, Cortland Sutton was – uh, leading with 72 receiving yards on three catches. No fan had five catches for 26 yards. Spencer had two catches for 18. Lindsey, five for 17. Fred Brown, one for 16. Jeff Hyman, one for 11. He ended up getting injured during the game. Andy Janovich, two for nine. And Royce Freeman, one for five. So, it's not a I lot I give there. no game balls. No, there's none, none on offense. None. None. Even the offensive line, uh, there was nobody that stood out or anything. And nope. Juwan James got hurt yet again. Um, so yeah, we've he was a paid waste. fifty-one million dollars for like two quarters so yep. far. Out and again, him. again, Elway, uh, an inability to find a player that can stay healthy. We knew the injury problems were there, and not only did he go after that player, he makes him what the highest paid right tackle. Yeah, highest or second highest. Yeah, yeah. So great. And, and Bryce Callahan has yet to play single snap for the Broncos. So, yeah, it's another one. Yeah. Uh, looking at defense stats, you had Von Miller at five tackles, one and a half sacks. Todd Davis, six tackles. Um, Chris Harris had three tackles. Josie Jewell had half a sack. Derek Wolf had two sacks. Really nice to see him have a good game. Uh, and then Brandon McManus made both of his field goals. Any Any game balls on defense? For you? Yeah, I thought Von Miller deserves a game ball. I thought he played really well. He constantly felt like he was um, around the quarterback and, and making pressure, uh, putting pressure on Brissett. You know, um, we can get into more of this later if you want. But again, another play near the end of the game where I, I couldn't believe Brissett uh, got out of that tackle from Von and then, you know, Wolf trips over Von and the whole thing. It's just like we can't catch any breaks on top of how crappy we are. And that play just kind of cemented it for me. It's like, it's right there for us, and and we still blow it. <laughs> and yep, Vaughn's got to be frustrated. But no, I, I think he deserves a game ball. Um, I thought Chris Harris deserves a game ball. He was shut down. T.Y. Hilton had two catches for I believe fifty six yards, and and the majority of that was on that long play that Brissett escaped, and that's the only reason T.Y. even got open. Um, so I would give my second game ball to Chris uh, Harris. Yep, I I think those are both good choices. I'll go with Derek Wolf having two sacks. Um, and, and going back to that that play that Brissett hit T.Y. Hilton, which was the biggest play of the game, I saw some people, I don't even know who they were, getting on Chris Harris for not covering his uh, guy. And That's it's ridiculous. Like, it's like, are you kidding me? He covered him for like eight seconds. That's I mean, ridiculous. Ha- you, how, how, long do you, how long can you expect to cover a guy in the NFL? I mean, come on. No. That's, that's just garbage, garbage fandom that doesn't understand, like, the ramifications of that play. I mean, he, yeah, he, he can't. <laughs> you're going to blame him for that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and it was unfortunate that Von Miller couldn't bring Jacoby down, which probably would have sealed the game. Um, I don't know if it was just. I, I don't know. I don't know if Jacoby's strength just got him out of that tackle or what, or if uh, if Von Miller makes that tackle last year and that's just not a play he's making this year. I, I don't know. I, I, maybe, I maybe I'm looking way too far into it, but I do think. Um... I do think um, Von Miller, it wasn't a Von Miller play, 
I think that play was really more Jacoby Brissett actually making a great play. He he has shown to be a pretty effective quarterback at getting out of uh, the pocket and making plays himself. Again, a thing that we don't have in our quarterback. Um, but he's Jacoby Brissett's big. I, that was my my big impression of him was his size and and his ability to to move around was pretty impressive. So I give I do give credit to Brissett there. But again, it's just like you got to be kidding me. It felt so close. I thought it was going to be a safety. Yep. Yep, uh, and Jacoby Brissett reminds me of a young Ben Roethlisberger. Maybe not quite like as that. talented, but a big, yeah. big belt and can get and like he can move comparison. pretty well. I was surprised how well he could run the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, he was 15 for 25 on the day, 202 yards, uh, no touchdowns, no picks. So neither quarterback had a passing touchdown or an interception. Uh, Marlon Mack had uh, 76 gra- yards on the ground, 19 attempts, one touchdown. Brissett, like I said, at six carries for 34 yards. Their leading receiver was tight end Jack Doyle, four catches for 61 yards. T.Y. Hilton only had two catches, but for 54 yards. Hines had three catches for 34 yards. Eric Ebron, three catches for 26 yards. So no stats that jump way out on the page. Um, and the Colts defense did have three sacks. Um, Darius Leonard, Justin Houston, and uh, Bainagu, I think, or Bainogau, I don't know how you pronounce his last name, had a, had a sack. So, um, you know, it, it just, a, just a game I feel like the Broncos should have had. I know going into the game, you and I just, we didn't have a lot of expectations. We just said let's uh, make it competitive. Mm-hmm. And, but, and then when you are definitely competitive during the game and have a lead for pretty much 59 minutes and 30 seconds, you would like mm-hmm. to think you can cap it off and it just just more salt in the wound to a forgettable season. Yeah, it's it really is. And I just – I have so many things I'm frustrated about. And I, I know, like – you know, I texted you this that if we were five and three, we would be an incredibly fraudulent five and three team. Yet, you can build off of that. You you can build off of a of a season that you win games that that come down to the wire, and um, it would give guys like Drew Locke the confidence to come into a, a locker room that actually has some wins behind you know behind their belt. It would give confidence to the O line um, to say, hey, we're actually you know we've been criticized all year and yet we're still winning games. So I don't know the winning changes everything. And when you're losing, it's just, it's the worst. And that's where we're at right now. And you can feel that it's, it's just funny. I mean, the Colts attitude, you know, they, they played like crap all day. They didn't deserve to win the football game and yet they come out of it incredibly happy. So it's funny how, uh, how a little thing like a W can change it all, and we have uh, not taken advantage of our opportunities to get those Ws. Yep, um, and that's what separates the good teams from the bad teams. It sure does, in my opinion. Um, it just yeah. not not good at all. Um, no. Any more thoughts from the game overall before we get into a few more topics? Um, no, I uh, I do want to mention one guy's name that hasn't ever been talked about on this podcast, at least. Uh, Deontay Spencer, um, not a guy that's made any big home run plays, but I think it's really nice that we have a guy that has not made mistakes at all. I don't think I can think of a single mistake that he's made on special teams while we've had him this year. Um, and we can't say that about our special teams guys in the past, you know, three or four years. So just a guy I thought was worth mentioning. Yeah, no, no, you're, you're absolutely correct. He's a guy who's uh, done well in his role. He's kind of taking that next man up mentality. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Devontae Bosby doesn't get hurt. He probably doesn't see playing time. But um, yep. um, so he's taking advantage of it, that's for sure. Yep. Um, big news after Sunday's game was the comments made by quarterback Joe Flacco, who pretty much, to sum it up, came out and said he was frustrated with the offensive play calling, felt like it, they were calling plays to try not to lose instead of to win. You know, why couldn't we be aggressive? And and I think he was really calling out that late in the game, the Broncos had a third and five. Colts have one timeout remaining. So if Broncos get a first down, the game's over pretty much. And instead of running a five or six yard pass route that is like 70% completion rating, I think, around the NFL when there's like five or six yard routes, they try to run it up the middle and don't get anything um, now, Vic Fangio came out and said he has the ability to 
squash any call or change any call, and he's done that a couple times. He did say if the Broncos got it to within fourth and one or fourth and two, as long as they got three or four yards on that play, even if they didn't get the first down, they were going to go for it. Yeah, I don't know if what how you know what that does to justify anything, but um, first problem I have is Flacco in my opinion, has not done enough to be able to come out and throw our offensive coordinator under the rug, regardless of how bad the play calling was. Now, Flacco, again, like we've said, is not the reason that this team is 2-6, and six, but he's also not doing anything to get us over the hump. Mm-hmm. He's The last two weeks, in my opinion, he's been incredibly bad. He has no sense of pressure. I mean, the last play of the game was embarrassing. He got clobbered, and he had no clue – you know, what, is, what does he think is happening? The Colts are going to bring pressure this minute he moves out of the pocket and he's going to get drilled. And he's not even – I don't even care if a receiver's not open. You throw the ball. You're, you're down. You throw – get the ball out of your hand. And he – for him to make those statements, it's just mind-boggling. It's like, I get it, dude. I agree. The play calling is garbage. But I don't feel like you have a right to, to be coming out and saying that. And you're a vet in this league. Change the play if you don't like it. I'm sure Joe Flacco has the power to do that. Yeah, I bet he. I'm, I'm guessing he does. I don't know why they wouldn't let him. I mean, and if he doesn't, yeah, that's one more reason that Skangs could, you know, should be on the hot seat. Yeah, this uh, transition with uh, first-year offense coordinator just not going very well. Um, it's interesting to hear comments like this out of a guy like Joe Flacco because he's got the nickname over the years of Joe Cool, and in Baltimore, even when he was benched for Lamar Jackson, you never really heard him ever speak out like this and it seems like he's uh, hit his breaking point and Philip Lindsay kind of um, repeated those comments and kind of said similar things as Joe Flacco in the in the locker room so it's not good when you have players that are um, kind of throwing coaches under the bus no. but no, no I agree I agree with all your points on Flacco though and uh, and then we find out Yesterday, during the Vic Fangio's weekly press conference, that Joe Flacco is not playing this week. He's got a herniated disc in his neck, which he's been trying to play through for the last two weeks. There was video of the uh, Broncos trainer, Greek, working on Flacco's neck during the game. Um, But he's out, and I guess I read today on Twitter, Ian Rappaport said that he's going to get a second opinion, but from his first opinion, opinion he got it's not an injury that's going to require surgery but it is an injury that will put him out for at least five to six weeks it's not career threatening but it could definitely be season ending yeah i mean i i I don't even know what to make of it it's it's the first thing i thought is well it can't get much worse we're not (laughs) producing anything offensively with joe flacco but you know a lot of things that no one has even mentioned this on um I follow Bleacher Report for all my Broncos news, so it's I don't really have Twitter, but I see a lot of the tweets that, that the reporters and stuff use. They Not one person has talked about the fact that we could put in a guy like Brandon Allen and he could throw four or five interceptions. I mean, this could be a Nathan Peterman type of situation where, sure, could he throw a couple touchdowns? Probably. Could he throw literally four or five picks? Yes. And that's the one thing that Flacco, give him credit for, has not done is – uh, throwing too many interceptions, and, and some of them that he has thrown were not his fault. So that's my biggest worry about losing Flacco. Um, I'm fine with seeing something new and more creative. I know Brandon Allen can, can roll out and get outside of the pocket way better than, than Flacco can, I believe, from everything I've read. Um, but I don't know, man. It's not good. We're, we're playing a guy that has no experience in the NFL uh, at all um, in terms of starts, so... I, I don't even know what to expect. Could I be surprised? Yes. Could it be incredibly ugly, which is more likely? Yes. Yeah, for our uh, listeners who have never heard of Brandon Allen, you are probably not alone. He was drafted in the sixth round by Jacksonville in uh, 2016, the 201st pick overall from Arkansas. And so this is his fourth year in the league, but he is, like Jeff said, yet to take a regular season NFL snap. He has had some preseason action. He was on the Los Angeles Rams this preseason, then got cut late in the preseason when everybody was trying to trim down their roster to 53. The Broncos picked him up then, and that's who the Broncos are rolling with, at least this week, and could be uh, 
longer in the future. We'll have to see. But uh, great, great point you brought up that he could possibly throw four or five picks because I think a lot of people are going into the game thinking that Denver's just going to run the ball a bunch, keep it on the ground, safe play calling for him. I don't know. I have no idea what this <laughs> offense is going to do. When they pass when I think they're going to run. They run when they, I think they're going to pass. They're on a three-yard line in Indy territory. Oh, they run three God. pass plays in a row. And Joe Flacco throws it to Jim Bob up there sitting in Section 10 in the stand three times. Couldn't catch it the first time, so he thought he'd give him two more tries. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Got to have a little fun with this. But. We, we have to talk about that series, though, for a second because, seriously, again, that series and the inability to go for it on third and five to win the game, in my opinion, should have had Skanks fired this week. What is the point of keeping him? He's not learning from his mistakes. Every week looks the exact same. I don't understand that. I'm fine with Fangio. We need some continuity at the head coaching position. The coordinator position, I don't give a crap. Get rid of him. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. A few weeks ago, I thought he was starting to develop a little bit and learn with his play calling. And, and then the last three weeks, I would say, if not four weeks, it's it's it's, it's digressed. It's been terrible. Yeah. It's getting yeah. worse. And, he, you know, he, yeah, I understand you've only called plays for eight games now in your NFL coaching career, but you got to learn on the fly. You got to adjust. Right. You got to you gotta adapt, and it's not happening. Um, no, it's not. But number two, Brandon Allen is behind center. Jeff, you were going to be there in person at uh, – I will be there yep. at Mile High uh, this coming Sunday. It's bad. I was trying to remember the new name of the field, and I couldn't remember off the top of my head. Uh, yeah. Empowered, I, yeah. Empowered Field? It's always, it will always be Mile High, yeah. but yes, Empowered Field yeah. and Mile High, yes. Um, I will be there. Uh, I don't know. I It's going to be it's gonna be really hard to be around Browns fans that think they're good, uh, which they is just hilarious. They suck, too. I mean, they're yep. overhyped. Yep. Browns are going to brown. That's why I was trying to tell everybody in the preseason, <laughs> be yep. careful. With I mean, I I did have the Browns, I think, winning the North or at least making the playoffs, but I didn't have them making the Super Bowl or anything. No. Jeez, oh. I uh, think on paper they're, they're still a better team than we are, which is sad, but I do think um, – just from a pure football standpoint, they're, you know, almost just as bad. And again, there's a game at home that you should win. I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this with Joe Flacco. I'd be feeling a lot more confident going. Oh, absolutely. Week, I mean, terrible. as much as we rip Joe Flacco and he's not an elite quarterback, yeah. he still has won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, he can thank Tony Carter for that and Raheem Moore. He can send them both a yeah. free uh, ham at Christmas. Um, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, going back to Brandon Allen, yeah, he's very inexperienced. He's the seventh quarter, different quarterback the Broncos have started since the retirement of Peyton Manning. That's crazy, man. Because you had Brock, so crazy. Well, you had Brock Osweiler during 15 and again in 17. Trevor Simeon, uh-huh. Paxton Lynch, Case Keenum, Joe Flacco. Now Brandon it's Allen. Crazy. It's crazy. And you know he might be fine. So but maybe he's a sixth. He's a sixth. I miscounted. So sorry about that. Now. There's just a lot of things that go into an NFL game that I think the general fan doesn't think about. And, you know, calling a calling a game is a big deal. And actually getting on that field and seeing these talented, talented defenses, I don't care, uh, you know, how bad the Browns are in terms of their record. You know, you got Miles Garrett on one side of the ball. I think their secondary is still pretty beat up, if, I, if I'm correct on that. But... Um, it's just a, it's just a new ball game. I mean, he's going to be out of his element, um, from what he's used to being, which is a backup quarterback. So I don't expect a whole lot. Um, I mean, I hope he shocks us all, but you know, I'm being pretty realistic that sadly Joe Flacco being in there provides a lot more stability and, uh, gives us a better chance to win. I think this Sunday, um, However, the quarterback position for the Broncos right now is such a mess that I it's just nothing to really be excited about. And we are going to hit on that next, but as like we as we always like to do on the Orange Weekly Post Game Podcast, we're going to throw back in time a little bit, and I'm going to give Jeff a little Broncos uh, trivia question here. Oh, jeez. Because he has been a Broncos fan a lot longer than I have, and I want to know how well he knows his Broncos history. <laughs> Probably not well. <laughs> Who is the last Broncos quarterback to start only one game in the regular season? Hmm. I'll go with uh, Bradley Van Pelt. 
Good guess, but no. Um, Bradley Van Pelt actually never started a game. Okay. I thought he did. I am corrected. Uh, do I get one more guess? Sure. And I and I proudly will say I think I would have got this right. I believe you. Your sports <laughs> trivia is through the roof. Um, I will. Let me think about this. Hmm. Oh, Chris Sims. There you go. In 2009, right. Kyle Orton got Washington. hurt. Chris Sims had to play at Washington, and it was ugly. Yeah, ugly. I remember that. You know, that was uh, – I remember that well because I believe we were 6-1 and one or 6-0, and oh, and it was after the bye week. That was the game he ruptured his spleen and unfortunately – pretty much put him out of the NFL. Albert Hainsworth destroyed him. But, uh, yeah, that was ugly because we were playing really well. McDaniels thought did, he was Did he rupture his spleen as a Buccaneer? Well, I thought it was as a Buccaneer. Maybe you're right. I apologize. You might. You're probably right. Yeah. You know this stuff better than I do. And, he definitely got hurt that and game. And I know I we thought. lost to the Ravens for the first loss that year at Baltimore. But I think okay. it was the very next game. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think we were 6 and, and, and I one. think Chris, I think he hurt his ankle that game. Okay. I think. All right. No, that sounds that sounds more right. Now that that was the first that. year I'm a Bronco. I was a Bronco fan, so I kind of remember that year uh, pretty, pretty well. Yeah. So. That was the downfall, though, uh, of that season. It's my fault. Just, just, uh, no. Just, yeah, Chris Sims, uh, it was game three of the 2006 season when he had that spleen injury. Okay. So, when he was, you know. Okay. My apologies. Nope, you're good. You're good. Oh, but well, anyway. He, uh, he, oh my Lord. His stats, yeah, he's, uh, or Orton sprained his ankle. Uh, uh, let's see. It says he took over in the second half of a game against Washington. I don't know if that's right because I thought he, it says he started. Um, I thought he did. And then he said he would give up the lead to the Redskins while going three for 13 for 13 yards and no touchdowns and one pick. Oy. And then it says he started against good. the San Diego Chargers on November 22nd, but was quickly replaced by Orton in the second quarter after going a disappointing two for four for only 10 yards. You know, this is kind of ringing a bell now that you're actually giving these stats because I do feel like he had to come in for Orton mid-game yes. against Washington, and we and then that was and he played so bad. And then he started lefty, against I, the Chargers, and he was so bad yeah. that hurt Orton came back yes. in, and then okay. he was released. In March of 2010, after the Broncos traded for Brady Quinn. Oh, my God. We are talking about some. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. This quarterback situation right now is even worse than that. So, um, <laughs> How? Isn't that sad? Because we have a guy who's literally never played a snap. At least Chris Sims had played yeah. some snaps. But, yeah. I mean, real quick, and we'll get into the quarterback situation. But I'm just going to go through. I mean, we had, we had Joe Flacco play four games so far this year. Case Keenum all 16 last year. In 2017, yeah, Trevor Simeon played 10, Brock Osweiler 4, Paxton Lynch 2. 2016, Trevor Simeon 14, Paxton Lynch 2. 2015, Peyton Manning 9, uh, Brock Osweiler 7. Peyton played all the games from 14 back to 12. 2011, you had Tebow 11, Orton 5. 2010, you had Orton 13, Tebow 3. 2009, you had Orton 15, Sims 1. 2008 and 7, you had Cutler 16. 2006, you had Plummer 11, Cutler 5. 2005 and 4, you had Plummer 16. This is where I want to get in the fun right here. 2003, you had uh, Jake Plummer 11, Steve Berline 2, Danny Cannell 2, and Jarius Jackson 1. 2002, you had Brian Greasy 13, Steve Berline 3. 2001, you had Brian Greasy 15, Gus Farratt 1. 2000, you had Brian Greasy 10, Gus Farratt 6. In 1999, you had Brian Greasy 13, Chris Miller Three. Those are all your quarterbacks since John Elway hung up his cleats at, in uh, 1999. So. It's ugly, man. It's wow. ugly. And, you know, they wow, showed wow, a stat wow. last night on, on Monday Night Football of all the quarterbacks that have started for the Dolphins. I and know it. It's similar. You know, it's this is what happens. Yep. And I that's why the Colts annoy the heck out of me because they go from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck just by the complete luck, but no pun intended. <laughs> um you know they they only go one in fifteen that that one season that you know which is I mean that's god awful but it was one season and then uh, you know and now they have Jacoby Brissett who you know do I think he's great no but he's getting the job done 
for that team. So I don't know. It's most teams go through this, but it would be nice if it ends sooner rather than later. And, and I've I've told you this many times. Uh, both you and I, we are Purdue University alumnus. Um, I've always said we can thank Curtis Painter for sucking so bad that year for the Colts because yep. when they were placing with Dan Orvalosky, they actually won two games. So if they would have yanked him out earlier in that season, they'd probably win another game. They don't have the number one pick. The Redskins do. And the Colts might not take a quarterback and stick with Manning, and we're stuck with Tim Tebow, and who knows where we'd be right now. But I will still sure. say the quarterback – Situation would still probably be better than this situation it is right now. And that is with Brandon Allen starting and your backup quarterback, Brett Rippon, uh, undrafted rookie from Boise State who had the Broncos thought well enough through the preseason to put him on the practice squad. He gets activated instead of activating Drew Locke, second-round pick, <laughs> the future of the franchise in a lot of people's opinion and eyes. Instead of activating him from the IR so he could practice and even suit up to play, it doesn't look like he's going to be even activated to practice until after the bye week. I I don't understand it, man. Do you, like seriously, what is what's the philosophy behind that? I, I don't know. They they asked Drew Locke about today. He pretty much said, "I'm ready when they're ready," and he said, "I'm I'm trusting their plan and process." But he pretty much sounded confident, <laughs> like I'm ready to go. Once they I can't think, let me get some reps and practice, I'm ready. I cannot think of a logical reason, seriously, other than organizational tanking, which if we're, we're, if we're tanking organizationally, this is not how you do it. Uh, you would have traded Chris Harris. You would have traded Derek Wolf. You would have traded Von Miller. So I don't think we're tanking. I really don't. I think we're just I, – I think we're like – Afraid maybe to put him behind this offensive line. I I don't that's know. A, that's a bullcrap excuse, though. I, I mean, well, I agree. I mean, my God, Cincinnati today finally benched Andy Dalton for rookie Ryan Finley. Ryan Finley's yeah. probably not their future, but they drafted him. They thought highly enough to draft him, and they want to find out what they have in him. And if he's not their guy going forward, they're going to take a quarterback in the top three or top five, wherever agree, they end man. up in the draft. That's what the Denver Broncos should be doing. You get your luck you know, ready this week. You practice him. Okay, he doesn't play or start. I'm fine with that this week. Yeah. Then he gets another week of practice in the bye week, and you throw him in there against my uh, at Minnesota in two weeks. I know their defense is nasty. He'll probably get beat up, but he's got to learn. He's got to play against tough teams no matter what because the Broncos have a lot of tough games, especially on the road coming down the stretch. You have to learn what you have in him because there's a good possibility the Broncos' ceiling right now, ceiling is probably 5-11. and 11. I don't even think they would yeah. do that. So there's yeah. a lot of good quarterbacks that are going to be in the draft, you have to find out what you have in him. If not, it's just one of the dumbest damn things I've ever seen in NFL. I completely agree, man. It's well said, and I, I don't, I, I can't put any logical explanation for it uh, together. You know, one thought I had, and I, I pray to God that this is not the case, but the things that Elway has done in the last few years since Peyton has been gone have been quite mind-boggling and frustrating with the lack of changes and so on and so forth. Does it worry you that possibly he is afraid that Drew Locke will just play well enough that he won't be able to justify drafting a quarterback in the first round next year? Like, let's say, let's say the Broncos play Drew Locke uh, right after the bye, and he plays really well, but we only win, let's say, two games with him and we finish four and 12, let's say even five and 11 at best. And we end up with a top 10 draft pick Elway. If he, if drew lock looks good, Elway will not be able to justify drafting a Justin Herbert, a Tua Tagovailoa, uh, Jalen hurts, uh, any of these guys with a top 10 pick. If lock looks good enough yet, if lock comes in and only wins us two games, is he really that good? Mm-hmm. So I, it worries me that that is that could be that's just kind of a conspiracy theory. But what if that's the philosophy that Elway's approaching? I, I don't know, because now it's going to be easier for him. Let's say let's say Locke comes in week 16 where, you know, we only have three wins. He picks up one win. Now we have a top five pick. We have no clue what Locke looks like. So, oh, hey, let's go draft one of these top quarterbacks, and then have a quarterback competition next year. Yeah, and then try to fire sale the other one, which that's not fair to the kid that you just drafted no. in the second round. you got to no. give him a chance. you got to give him 
in addition. I mean, you got to give him a bulk of games. You can't just give him two. And, I mean, at least you got to give him at least four games. But I think you need to give him even more than that. You got yeah. an opportunity to give him six or seven games coming up I agree. here. And I think I that's com- what you need to do. I completely agree. And, quite frankly, <laughs> the fact that he can move tells me that I think this offense could be better with him than than with Flacco. I, I don't – I don't understand. It makes no sense. There's no nothing about this that makes sense, and I'm really, really starting to get worried that Elway's ego is so big that his decisions are impacting these kind of things because there's no other explanation for it. I'm worried he's going to go into the equipment locker room, get himself a number seven jersey, put on the pads, and get his 59-year-old ass out there on the field himself. Well, if he could still zip a football around, I'd probably let him. <laughs> I'm just saying, but, I, mean, I, no, I, I, I love the guy, but I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm with you. I think his ego is getting so big. That I know. It just when I think he can't make a more kind of head-scratchy move when it comes to quarterbacks, that's just what I'm waiting for now. And listen, I Elway – you know, we Broncos country is never going to not love Elway because of all the things, the great things he did on the field for us in the 80s and 90s. However, um, and I, I want to add to that, I will never um, take for granted those four years that he helped develop, you know, with Peyton Manning and the rest of that team to win us a Super Bowl, go to another Super Bowl, be competitive in the playoffs each of those four years. I will never take that for granted. However, we're long past that point. The decisions he's continuing to make don't make sense, and at some point, you, you gotta you gotta think about moving on. I it's it's kind of getting old. Yep, and and if and if he is to stick around through his contract, which I think it ends after next year, if I'm not mistaken, you know, if I'm Joe Ellis, I tell him, hey, you gotta you gotta get some help though. You gotta get some other football minds around you. You can't do this yeah. by yourself. Yeah. I would love, you know, I don't even know what Peyton's interest is in coming back to the NFL. I, I don't see, for some reason, I don't see Peyton being a decision maker like a GM or a head coach or anything like that. I could see him being a brilliant advisory type of person in an organization, almost like what Kubiak has become in the NFL, where he helps you in many ways, but he doesn't have to be the guy that makes the final decision. I'm not sure he wants that. Um I'm not sure he really even wants to be in football at all. To be honest, you know, to be honest, I think it's unlikely that he comes back. But man, could you imagine? Well, according to his dad, he wants to get back in it. Uh, maybe really? as, a, as a as a front office or a, a an ownership role, maybe. But that's probably mm-hmm. down the road. I think he wants to see his kids grow up a little bit. But mm-hmm. hey, Mark Mark uh, Kisla, he wrote an article in the Post about it just a week or two ago. It's time to get John Elway out and Peyton Manning in. He wrote that article. Yeah. I think it was more for clicks and reads than anything, but. He got on the Rich Eisen show to talk about it, so it it, it it's out there. Well, and he loves Denver. Um, he's still there. He still has a house there. His kids go to school there. That he goes to plenty of games. Yep. I mean, it would make sense. I think he loves the organization. What they did for him. Oh, Colts fans um, would be pissed. Oh, I'd love it. It'd be great. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I, all I gotta say is the lock thing. Going back to that. Sorry to get off topic. Nope, there. You're it good. doesn't make any sense. Unless you have any other thoughts on why it possibly, why they're possibly waiting to play him or even practice him, I got nothing for you because no. it makes no sense. No, if he's been medically cleared, then I got nothing. I got nothing. Yeah. I, I, I went over every scenario in my head and I got nothing. <laughs> it just is pissing me off. No, we need some answers. And I saw something. On Bleacher Report that said, oh, the Broncos don't want to use his 21-day off-IR practice uh, practice schedule yet. And I'm like, why? It's, that doesn't justify anything. You use it now when you don't have a game. He doesn't have to play this week. He wouldn't have to play, obviously, next week because next week's the bye. The week after is at Minnesota, which, you know, that wouldn't probably be the best – well, at Minnesota or at Buffalo, either of those are going to be brutal starts because that's why a lot. Of, I have seen a lot of people think he'll make a start at home against the Chargers. But I could see that actually making some sense. That's the, but that's still weak, man. I know it. I know. Uh, it. And if if whenever they go to him, I don't care how bad he plays, you let him play the rest of the season. Yes, you have to. This is this is a this is a huge we point a, for the franchise. Yes, and we were in a much better state 
um, when we made this change. But you know, this was this was changing from Jake uh, Plummer to Jake Cutler. We didn't know what we had in Jake Cutler. He was a rookie. He was inexperienced. He got beat up, and we put him in there. He took his bumps. He was crap the end of that season, and we missed the playoffs because of it. But hey. He actually learned how to play football. He was an exciting football player to watch. I know we had bad times with him, but I had more fun watching Jay Cutler than I do watching this crap. Yeah, this is this is brutal, and I, I'm really scared of what Sunday's going to be. I'm really scared. I know, man. I know. I'm really and scared. It, and it's sad because you know it's a home game. You know, I, I'm excited to be around Broncos country again, but the vibe is just so bad. It's so low. The fans are pissed like we are. They're they're frustrated. They're confused. I, they're, we're getting no answers. The Broncos don't even seem concerned about any of this. They they just seem like they're taking it day by day. Like oh you know, Fangio's coming up with these excuses for why we didn't go for it, or oh we'll go we we would have gone for it on fourth and one if we would have gotten a couple yards. We would have done this and that. Joe's probably just frustrated. No one seems like they give a crap right now, man. I just that's what makes me so sad. And I think it's just showing in the Broncos fan base right now that we're just. We just can't take this. I mean, I know this is like three or four years of this where most teams go for much longer, but the Broncos had better, higher expectations than this. We got to get better quick. Yep, yep, and I'll be interested to hear from you next week on uh, next week's uh, post-game report to see how many empties, if any, <sighs> that there were on stadium. I mean, I'm hopeful, but... Um, I, it's supposed to be nice weather. I, I think it, it will not be like the Rams game last year that you and I went to. But I, I expect there to be some empty seats. Yeah. And I, I expect there to be a lot of Browns fans, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, well, at least the Broncos uh, did stay pat um, and keep Chris Harris. I was yes. happy to see that today. I guess the Lions called, but they didn't even offer a third. Philly called, but never offered anything. I think I think the only way the Broncos would have got rid of Chris is if a second-round pick offer came in, but it did not. So uh, Chris Harris, Derek Wolf, and Von Miller, all three um, kind of the rumored ones that yeah. could be leaving are all staying. Um, Von Miller still has two years left on his contract. Chris Harris and Derek Wolf, their contracts run out at the end of the year. Derek Wolf says he <laughs> wants to retire as a Bronco. Chris Harris says, well, he kind of said the other day he wants to be there through this year since they're having a baby. Um, if I'm the Broncos, I reopen negotiations, and they have a lot of money. I try to do what I can to keep them. I don't know if it would work, but I try to, and they're not going to get them as cheap as this yeah. one-year deal this past time was. But. Yeah, well, the defense has been the one shining one shining thing about this team, and um, it, it's sad because it's going unrecognized because of how bad our offense is. If we had even just a decent offense, we would be a competitive football team. Um, and – you know, I, I would say you show the love to Von Miller right now. The guy has said he wants to be a Bronco for life. Extend him already. I don't even care. Extend him this offseason for more because I don't even want to think about – I mean, two years are going to come up quick. And in two years, our offense will not be magically fixed. I can tell you that. Um, and so it really worries me thinking about what's going to happen to him in two years. Uh, Chris Harris, I agree. I was I was super pumped that we kept him, that we didn't trade him. I mean, he has been shut down all year. You look at the, the stats that guys, uh, the top wide receivers are having for the, the teams that we've played, and it's it's remarkable. I mean, he deserves a contract extension today, in my opinion. Uh, Derek Wolf, too, his injury woes kind of continue, but he has been a dominant force, and I hope he finishes a Bronco um, like he said he wanted to. So I agree. I mean, the defense – if we can keep it together, if we can keep this kind of a defense together for probably five years, it would allow us time to develop an offense that makes sense. But, you know, then again, let, why why, why put Drew Locke in? Why do that? That makes, you know, too much sense. So, And you didn't even mention how uh, we have a young stud in the making and Bradley Chubb, who's unfortunately yeah. out for the year. And, um, yeah. he's a he's another corner stone piece of this defense going forward. Well, and Justin Simmons has been good. Kareem Jackson that, has been good. That's the guy. They, they, that, that's the guy they got to – this is yep. a contract year for him. They need to get him done in season, Justin Simmons. Yep. He cannot let him go elsewhere. <sighs> just – I'm so mad, man. Yep. I'm so mad. I'm just disappointed. No, I uh, – you know, I'm trying to – See how we can spin this to a positive note to uh, end it. No, I'm, I, it's I'm not done. happening. I, I'm done. I'm done trying to be positive. I, I, I do look forward to every game. I look forward to going Broncos games. I love the Broncos. I'm never going to not watch a game because of how bad we are. But I'm mad that it doesn't seem like the team and the organization cares as much as the fan base does right now. And quite frankly, 
that's because we're missing our most important piece, which is Pat Bowen. I mean, every good organization, like we've said, runs from top down. And the fact that the front the ownership situation isn't even close to fixed, and even when it gets fixed, probably won't be what we had with Pat Bowen, tells me all we need to know. This team is a reflection of that right now, and it's, it's uh, again, just another thing to be sad about. Yeah, just a mess. <laughs> it's a mess from uh, the top top down right now. Yep. So, but uh, something that's not a mess is us at Orange Weekly. Um, right now, we got a Patreon going on. So this year, we're giving away uh, those who contribute to our Patreon the chance to win monthly prizes, as well as a great grand prize at the end of the season. With tiers from one dollar to twenty five dollars per month, you'll get entries for a chance to win one of our prizes. In addition, for every Broncos win during the month or months that you donate, you'll receive five free extra entry- entries for the monthly prize and the grand prize. So if you enter in October, the Broncos have had two wins, you get five free extra entries. We really do appreciate your support because we wouldn't be here without each and every one of you. So please check out www.patreon.com slash orangeweekly to be entered into the chance to win some fantastic Broncos prizes. And we got tons of shows and podcasts going on at Orange Weekly. You got Broncos After Dark on Facebook Live on Mondays. You got the huge... Uh, Beer Broncos and No BS, our most popular show on Facebook Live on Tuesdays, every Tuesday at uh, 7 o'clock Mountain Time, 8 o'clock Central, 9 o'clock Eastern. So look for that show tonight. Then you also have uh, the pregame podcast with Jared and Matt. You have Ray's Ragers, which he will give you anything you need to know about what bets to make uh, involving the Broncos, and he's done really well this year. And then you got the pregame show on Sundays as well, and other shows that get mixed in that are kind of not planned out ahead of time. They're just kind of, hey, I'm going to do a show today, one of the guys says. So um, plenty of content in our website, orangeweekly.com. you got a lot of good blog material on there as well. So please hit that like button on Facebook or that follow button on Instagram or Twitter and, and subscribe button on YouTube and check us out. So uh, any closing thoughts, Jeff, before we wrap this up? I would, I've said this multiple times on the podcast. I would never want to be a fan of any other team. I just have a lot of expectations for this team versus a proud organization that, quite frankly, I can tell you, no matter what our record, well, if we were 4-2 and two playing the Indianapolis Colts at home, we would not be sitting on our hands eating popcorn, not making noise on first and second down. So I can't wait for Sunday to be out there. It'll be fun to be in the Mile High City. Um and uh, let's not be the saddest team on Sunday. Let's beat those brownies. I well said, my friend. Cheer loud for all of us that will be watching uh, in front of our TVs on Sunday. Cheer Brandon Allen on, and uh, go Broncos. Go Broncos, Tanner. I'm